from Peacedale Congregational Church in the Ocean State, recording in the upper room, it's time once again to share more joy. Today is unique as it will be part one of a two-part series. In this first part, we'll begin with Jetfurt's remarkable story. This first part is from a reflection that I gave on November 2023 that has been adapted for this podcast. The reference scripture reading is Acts 16, verses 23 to 35. I'm Senior Minister Fred Evenson, and welcome to our joyful podcast, where we celebrate joy in its various forms and ultimately ask the question, how are we sharing it? How are you sharing it? So our story goes back to Veterans Day weekend, 2023. The place was our sanctuary. I like to recognize the veterans in our midst during worship by lifting up individual folks as we imagine together some of the events through which they have lived. And on this particular Sunday, I asked Brother Jet Burtz if he wouldn't mind me sharing some of his story with others, to which he replied, nope, no way. No, I'm kidding. Actually, he was very happy to share his story. Jet's story is one for the books. In fact, he has written a book about his life entitled American Dream a memoir about a Korean orphan boy who dreams about the American dream and achieves it. In his book, Jet details his humble origins, and he mentions that he became separated from his family during the Korean War. And it starts out a heart-wrenching story where his dad and his brothers were taken away by the North Korean army, and his mother and his sisters helped Jet get up on top of this train this boxcar as people are evacuated further into South Korea. But when he arrives at the destination, he cannot find his family anywhere. Jet is only around five years old at this time. But after a little while, he ends up in a Buddhist orphanage where he learns about America. And Jet writes in his book, When the Americans liberated South Korea from communist North Korea... American GIs would occasionally show American movies. Jet was inspired by this idea that anyone can succeed in America through hard work and perseverance. Jet says he yearned, I'm quoting here, he yearned for that opportunity to be adopted by an American GI to go to America and realize that American dream. So after surviving winter, with the help of the Buddhist orphanage, Jet leaves in the spring, and he lives on the streets during the more temperate months, finding food and clothing in the open street markets as he needs it. And when the next winter comes, he's taken in by a Christian orphanage. Jet spends several years at the Garden of Children, where they grow their own food and they have their basic needs met. They eat rice and kimchi pretty much three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And Jet talks about sleeping on the hardwood floor on a bamboo bed, really kind of a thin mat that they had to sleep on, and an army blanket to keep them warm at night. And he remembers them attending chapel on an American base and and singing as a choir there. The troops would sometimes distribute care packages. The connections that were made between our military servicemen and the orphans, it's really quite touching. And Jet talks about how they would share sardines and gum and chocolate with the children. 
However, when they had to leave, it was bittersweet. He writes, and I'm quoting here, that they hated to see a beloved GI returning home and leaving us. But we always look forward to having a pig roast and a big feast, end quote. As a goodbye party for them as they left, basically. And Jed grows older, around the age of 13, after experiencing the two kinds of orphanages and the two different faith traditions. He's trying to decide what spiritual path would be his. And so Jed takes it to God in prayer. And he prays this following prayer. It's in the book here. Here it is. So he prays the following prayer, page 45 in his book. Dear God, I know that I'm getting old and there is less chance that I can be adopted by an American family. However, I know that you can perform miracles. Therefore, I'm praying for a miracle to take place on my behalf. I sincerely pray that I be adopted by an American GI and be brought to the USA. I have been evaluating between Buddhism and Christianity. I'm somewhat leaning towards Christianity, but have not made an affirmative commitment. If you can answer my prayer and bring about a miracle and that I be adopted by an American GI and be taken to the USA, I will affirmatively commit myself to Jesus Christ and commit myself to be a devout Christian. I sincerely pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He prayed this prayer on Sunday morning. And that Sunday evening, the orphanage director collects all the boys together and says that an American GI, Fred Vertz, is looking for a 10-year-old boy. And he asks all the 10-year-olds to raise their hands. Now, at this time, Jet had been going by the age of 13. But upon hearing this question, he suddenly becomes 10 years old. Up goes his hand. Eight boys raise their hands. But it is Jet who wins over Fred Vertz's Heart. Unfortunately, there is a problem. In filling out the paperwork, Jet is asked to provide his given Korean name, his birth mother's name, his birth father's name, the place of birth and birth date. He only really knows his Korean name, but, but can't provide the rest. And so after some conversation, finally it comes down to the birth date. All he really knows about that is that it needs to equal 10 years old. And when his adoptive father, Fred Vertz, notices Jet struggling to come up with a specific date, he comes to the rescue, and he names a date. November 11, 1948. A few years later, Jet would ask how his dad knew what his birthday was. And his father said, well, and I'm quoting here, November 11th is Veterans Day. I am a veteran. So I decided to make your birthday to be Veterans Day, end quote. And of course, it had to be 10 years prior, so that's how he came up with the year. Now, just how old is Jet exactly? Well, in his book, he points out that age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. He describes in the book how he got the nickname Jet, which is a good story in and of itself. I'll let you discover that one on your own. But Jed also talks about some racism and some of the stereotypes he faced being of Asian descent. But the last story I want to share has to do with Jed's father. And to get there, we, we have to fast forward through some time in history. 
The adoption happens. Jet moves to the States and has to spend the first year with another couple in order to jump through some legal hoops before finally moving in with Fred Wirtz. Now, Jet works hard through high school. He works hard, and because of his hard work, and applying really by accident, he ends up receiving a full scholarship to Mississippi State University. He attends college and graduates with an engineering degree and lands an impressive job as an aircraft engine turbine design engineer for Pratt & Whitney Aircraft. He works for them for two months and then joins the Navy. And he writes, I know this sounds corny, but I felt I had a duty to serve the country in the armed forces. After all, I was adopted by an American GI who was serving the country. If my adoptive father was not a veteran, I would not have met him and been adopted by him. Also, the U.S. military liberated South Korea. I felt that I owed much to the USA, and I wanted to give back by serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. Beginning on page 55 in his book, we continue. In 1972, I completed my officer candidate school and received a commission as an officer in the U.S. Navy as an ensign. Upon receiving my commission, my first duty assignment was to be on a USS destroyer station in the U.S. Naval Base in Subic Bay, Philippines. At the time, my father was still in the U.S. Air Force, and he was stationed in the Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii. So on my way to Subic Bay, I decided to stop by Hawaii to visit my father. And I called my father to let him know I would be stopping through Hickam Air Force Base because it is a military duty flight. I told him that I will be wearing my uniform and that I will be stopping by his workstation. Furthermore, I told him that since I am an officer, and he is only an enlisted person, when I visited him at his workstation, he must salute me. His reply to me at the time was, you are my kid. I raised you. No way in hell will I salute you. When I, my plane touched down at Hickam Field, lo and behold, I saw my father and his two buddies, both enlisted U.S. Air Force personnel, in their uniforms, waiting to greet me at the flight line with flower lace. And as I stepped down from the airplane's offloading ramp, my father shouted out a command to his two buddies. Attention! And in unison, their right hands smartly went up to their headgear visors and gave me one of the most honorary welcome salutes. Obviously, my father was so proud of his son becoming an officer, and he wanted to share his proud moment and the achievement with his buddies. And that evening, we celebrated by visiting both at the non-commissioned officers club and the officers club at the Hickam Air Station. And he goes on to say here on page 57, that was one of my unforgettable proud moments, being my father's son. But more importantly, it was the happiest, rewarding, and proud moment for my father, which he so deserved. Jed attended a Navy officer's candidate school in Newport, Rhode Island, and he served active duty for about four years, and then did three more years in the reserves. He's very thankful for the time that he was able to serve our country in the military. He says that joining the Navy it was likely the best 
most significant decision he made during his professional career, other than marrying his wife Joyce, of course. But Jet did actually see combat. As an officer, he commanded, piloted a destroyer with about 85 personnel on board. It was towards the end of the Vietnam War. They were to patrol the South China Sea off the coast of Vietnam. They were to stay about 100 to 130 miles off the coast and not to make light of the situation, as many people did die in that conflict. But Jet says the joke on board the boat was the Jet's main job was to keep them close enough to the shore to get them eligible for war medals and combat pay for all the enlisted men, and at the same time to keep them far enough away that they wouldn't draw fire from the enemy. Not surprisingly, knowing Jet, he succeeded in these efforts. Keeping his men safe, but doing his job, his duty for the country, patrolling the South China Sea, supporting the mission. One of my takeaways from Jet's story is how we were able to help the South Koreans, not just through military might, but even the orphanages benefited from the goodwill of our troops. These are stories that don't always get told, but our military can act in compassionate ways. And as Jet would say, he wouldn't be here today if it weren't for our military action in Korea, helping to free them from would-be oppressors. I should also mention that Jet is an ardent advocate for adoption. He says no child, and I'm quoting here, no child should have to be without the love of a family. I agree, Brother Jet. Of course, serving in the military comes at a personal price, and some service men and women end up paying the ultimate price. It is a sacrifice for the greater good. So thank you. Thank you for allowing us to share your story, Brother Jet. We salute you. We salute you for your service. Today, we celebrate not only those who put their lives on the line for us and for our country, but we remember also the spouses of the veterans and families who also had to pay the price of having their loved ones who were gone for so long. I should mention, during the 70s, women were not allowed on board the ship, so Jet and his military buddies put an advertisement in the Providence Journal for all ladies ages 18 to 25 who wished to meet an officer and a gentleman to come to the Naval Officers Club. The advertisement worked. Several ladies showed up, and that's how he met Joyce. He says they've been together ever since, 51 years. And so we also salute Joyce, Jet's wife, for her support, and ultimately for her service as well. Thanks to our veterans, we do, as Americans, have wonderful freedom. I'm especially thankful that we are free to worship as we wish, and, and even more as a Christian, I'm thankful for our freedom in Christ. And so today, as we give thanks for our freedom, it makes sense that our scripture reading is also about how Paul and Silas were freed from prison as a result of their faith and a, a timely earthquake. Imagine them in the innermost cell in the prison, praying and singing hymns, we're told, when all of a sudden their chains are broken and they are set free, except they stick around to the guard's amazement. He asks the age-old question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul tells him to believe on Jesus the Christ and he will find salvation. 
First the possessed girl, then Paul and Silas, then the jailer. They all find freedom from the things that shackle, thanks to Christ's healing, saving love. And so we ask today, what is shackling you? Is it anxiety? Is it grief? Is it anger? Is it loneliness? Is it your job? Is it, as others have said, your insatiable need for entertainment, that, that need to have the screen on 24-7? Is it an addiction that is shackling you, keeping you from living life fully, from fully experiencing the, the joy of God, the, the joy of life? I remember hearing the, the director of the local Galilee mission say that we all have addictions. Are you anxious about your material possession? In Christ, we are able to break free from our anxiety about our possessions, and we we're able to discover the freedom of generosity. What are the shackles that are around your ankles, and how can Christ help free you from them? Because after all, we are free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. As Christians, we recognize our freedom has come at a great price. Jesus put his life on the line that we might know God in a new way and be filled with God's joyful spirit of inclusive love, grace, forgiveness, and shalom. That we might know the significance of sacrifice and, and the blessing of service. And so we thank God for those who put their lives on the line for us. We thank God for amazing grace that is strong enough to break the chains that would hold us. And we thank God for Jesus, that we might be free to share the love of God following his example. May God bless our stewardship of our freedom, especially as we give thanks for those faithful servants upon whose shoulders we stand even today. Amen. Don't forget to tune in next time for part two of this special podcast series where we will interview Jet himself. You won't want to miss that. I'm glad you are attending to your joy today. And as you seek to fill your joy basket, consider worshiping with us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. to experience joyful reflections like this and, and or consider joining one of our joyful ministries. We have lots of ways for you to connect. We usually begin worship with a question, so we end the podcast with a question. How are you sharing your joy? Give it a think. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you know when part two is born. And visit us on our website at peacedalechurch.org or on Facebook at Peacedale Congregational Church. I'm Fred Evenson. I'm going to be back next time with more interviews and more joy. Joy to the fishes, my friends. And all God's children say, Amen. Sharing More Joy is a production of Peacedale Congregational Church, hosted by me, Fred Evenson, Senior Minister, and produced by Joanne and Bob Haynes. The music is Friends for Life by Avocado Junkie, acquired from soundstripe.org. Visit us again to hear our next Sharing More Joy podcast. Thank you.